Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. What a great night. Amen. You sense the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Why don't you grab your Bibles, just put them right in your lap right now. Just take them in your lap. Take your smartphone. Take your iPad. <laughs> Thank you, Father. I kept thinking of this story this whole week. Do you remember the story when Jesus Jesus had resurrected and he walked along a road called Emmaus with two men? And the Bible says that Jesus took them all the way back through the law and the prophets, revealing himself to them. You know what's interesting to me? It makes me think probably one of the greatest messages that was, was ever given by Jesus on planet Earth was given to two people. You ever thought about that? Probably, probably one of the greatest messages that was ever given to planet Earth. He, went, he took them all the way back through the law and the prophets and revealed who he was. Now get this. Wow. It says that when they got to the house, Jesus acted like he was just going to keep going. He has a way of doing that. He's just, he's traveling, right? And they're like, wait, 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 slow down. Why don't you come and join us? He's like, okay. So it actually says they restrained him and asked him, please, please. So he went into the house and they prepared a meal. And then it says that Jesus took the bread and he broke it for them. And when he did, he disappeared. And they said their account was when he broke the bread and as he talked amongst them, their hearts burned within them. Yet when he broke the bread, they realized it was Jesus. You know, I get to break bread. I get this amazing privilege all the time with our family and in, in other places to break the bread, to teach the word, to preach the word, to impart the word. But what I want us to be very aware of is that what we need is the Lord to break our bread. Because when he breaks the bread, it becomes revelation to us. It's not just Brian. You can't just get accustomed to my voice or accustomed to the way that I would teach or the, the way that I would bring it or the way that I would say it. It's, it's not that. It has to be the Lord breaking our bread so that he becomes the revelation to us. Amen. So, Lord, tonight, as we open the words of life, we ask you to break our bread and let us behold you. Let us see you. You are good. You are good. Amen. I'd like you to go to John chapter 14, if you will. I'm going to be reading quite a bit tonight out of the, the Passion Translation, so... If you've got the Passion Translation in your smartphones and your laptops and iPads and whatever else device you've got, <laughs> why don't you grab that? 
John 14, are you there? I had, a, um, I had an interesting experience uh, about a week and a half ago in our neighborhood. And it was just down the road from some friends of ours who live in our neighborhood, and his name is Brett. And Brett and I are kind of getting to know one another and have been for the last year. And we take our dog walking. They take their dog walking. And so we've got a lot of dogs in our neighborhood as well. And so uh, we, we meet a lot of folks <laughs> at the breaking of day until well after midnight. People are just walking their dogs through our neighborhood. And so I was back in, a, <clears throat> in an area of our neighborhood, and I saw Brett standing in his garage, and he was, he was kind of fiddling with some stuff. And I was a good ways off, and I could see him pretty good, though. And he was fiddling with something. His little boy is five years of age, and he was on his big wheel. His little boy was out in the driveway. Nothing else was in the driveway. And his little boy was doing like figure eights and just whipping around on that big wheel, having fun. I was reminiscing. I had some pretty cool big wheels. Let me just tell you right now. <laughs> I felt wind on that. I felt anointing on that. But I was watching his little buddy do his figure eights and, you know, wheeling around the driveway there and Brett had his back turned to his son, and I was just enjoying myself and walking. And then suddenly, I heard his little boy start screaming out, Daddy! 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 And I mean, in a flash, in a flash, Brett was out of that garage and had ran down that driveway and whisked his son up out of that big wheel and holding him in his arms and saying, you're okay, son, you're okay, you're okay. Have you ever been scared like that? You ever, not yet? That's all good, I pray you don't. <laughs> he said, daddy, daddy. And, his, and Brett was saying, son, you're okay, you're okay, daddy's got you, daddy got you. And his son was pointing at a large snake that was just passing through their driveway. And he said, son, that's okay. That, that snake's just going now on away. And he walked over to the grass and was pointing at him. And his son was just beside himself. But his dad loving him and holding him and letting his son cling to him brought the peace and the comfort that he needed. It was a beautiful moment. I try not to miss these moments in life and to remember them. Because every one of us need to remember who we are to our Father. I believe that at the very core of all that we are as Christians, as believers, as followers of Christ, I believe at the very core of everything that we are, we have to know that we are sons and daughters of the living God. I think at the very core of our identity, we have to remember that we are cherished and loved. And we have a good, beautiful, heavenly father. And to him, we are sons and daughters. This is so key to everything we walk out in this life. Whatever kind of snakes that you will face in life at 5, 15, 35, 55, 85. Whatever kind of snake that you see trafficking into your domain from time to time, whatever it is, 
a relational conflict, a sexual conflict, a lust, uh, whatever that snake may be, you need to remember how to cry out and say, Daddy, Daddy. Jesus said, I have come to reveal the Father. In fact, he said, if you've seen the Father, you have seen me. Or if you've seen me, let me get my Bible straight. Lord, help me break this bread. (laughs) Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Wow. It's amazing that the Pharisees were really put on tilt when Jesus began to just convey the revelation of the kingdom. When he began to talk about his Father and the Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, they, they were so rightfully in awe of the name of God that they reverently said the name of Yah, Yahweh. But when Jesus came and he began to talk about our Father, our Creator God, he called him Abba. And it gave them a very distinct connection. Could you imagine Israel listening to him in this most intimate way of receiving language and understanding that who we're really talking to, yes, he's holy. Yes, he's worthy. Yes, there's no one like him. Yes, no one has ever spanned out the cosmos and built worlds and galaxies like him. Yet I've come to reveal to you and tell you he is, he's Abba. He's Father. He came in such a way to reveal to us that God wanted to come to us and reveal that we're not just wandering pilgrims and and vagabonds, right? Transversing the earth. We were not orphans. We were chosen before the foundation of the world in Christ to be sons and daughters of the living God. Years ago, years ago, uh, <laughs> Bob Jones, how many of you know who Bob Jones is? Many of you do, and he was a, a very powerful, powerful, dear prophet. And for many years, he based out of Kansas City. He was a very integral, uh, integral voice to Mike Bickle and the Kansas City movement amongst the Kansas City prophets and the birthing of the Kansas City House of Prayer. And then he moved on to be with Rick Joyner and base there out of Morningstar. And my wife and I, for many, many, many years, uh, were in and out of Morningstar. And I had the great privilege about 10 months before Bob went into heaven to be with him and about 15 other men in a private gathering. And it was one of the great privileges that I've had. Bob, many years ago, he talked about a time of a release of a mantle. Now, this is important tonight, and I feel like the Lord is just interweaving this because specifically of this prophetic word that Cody released concerning the prophetic. And I remember when Bob Jones, I forget the year, and you'll have to forgive me, and I'll find it, and we'll, I'll just give it to you next week. Come back, okay? But he releases prophetic word about the mantle of the prophets coming back into the earth and the seers and the prophets arising in the nations of the earth and that this mantle was going to be released in power, that the church was going to begin to see with clarity, with the, like, a, like an eagle's vision, 
They would have eagle eyes, piercing eagle eyes to see. And the mantle of the eagle, which is the prophetic. And he says there was going to be a sign in the heavens that God, and Bob did this all the time. He, the Lord would show him months in advance a kind of weather pattern that was about to break out, a storm, a comet, and he would prophesy these things. And on those days, it would happen. And people would be flabbergasted. Well, he said, there's coming a sign in the heavens revealing God's command of releasing the prophetic mantle and the eyes of the eagle to see. And he, he prophesied a date. It was June 6th. And I've got to, I, can, I know I can find this on Google. Some of you are probably already Googling it. But he said on June 6th, he says there's going to be a sign in the heavens and God's going to reveal that this is going to be a confirming word to the prophetic mantle being released again into the earth. And on that day, June 6th, NASA, through the Hubble telescope, came upon a fresh discovery of a star that was being birthed and born. The birthing of this star, they said, was the, the Milky Way galaxy was like a thumbnail to the body of this star. They said it was so vast, it was indescribable. Far, far surpassing the Milky Way galaxy, the birthing of a brand new star, NASA that day called it the Eagle's Nebula. <laughs> yeah, the Eagle's Nebula. You can go and study this. You, you can read, you can just go to YouTube. It's fascinating. And the pictures at the Hubble um, telescope was able to capture is mind-boggling. You, I mean, it's mind-boggling to look at this and the development and the creation. Now, where am I going with this? Because God, God is creator God. He is, he is always creating. And, and though, he, though He is infinitely creating with the, the, the power of His words and the de- declarations of His voice, And the expansion of the cosmos and the universe and galaxies are just exploding and new stars are are being born. Yet, within how infinitely great God is, His ultimate dream was to live inside His sons and His daughters. Paul said it like this. He said in Colossians chapter 1, And verse 27, he builds this epic message all the way through this chapter. And he comes to this epic zenith of the greatest revelation. He said, it so pleased God, in verse 27, it said, it pleased God to reveal this mystery and the glory of this mystery. Now, let me go on the record to tell you, it's not a mystery to God. It's a mystery to us. Revelation is not a revelation to God. To God, it's always been. But suddenly, boom, a revelation comes into our world, and suddenly we know what we never knew before. But God unfolds it and lets us see the mystery, and He says, this is the peak of the mystery. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Say that tonight. It is Christ in me. The hope 
of glory. Say it again. It is Christ in me, the hope of glory. The hope of our generation is Christ in you. The hope of America is Christ in you. The hope of the millennials is Christ in you. The hope of Washington, D.C. is Christ in you. The hope of this region is Christ in you. I appreciate those three golf claps. That was powerful. Come on, give the Lord a shout. We got to renew our mind to that. While we're asking God to do everything in the world to do this, he says, I've already done it. I'm in you. Now it's time for you to become the move of God. Now it's time for you to believe that Christ is in you, the hope of glory, and you are able to change not just an atmosphere. You are able to change a city, cities, regions. You are able because Christ is in you. And if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives and dwells within your mortal bodies, what in the world are we capable of doing? Woo! I feel wind on this message. I feel the Lord's breaking bread. God is so vast. He's beyond all comprehension. Even though we believe we know so much, it's going to take all of eternity swimming in the mind of God and us going, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. We'll be there together, Aaron, and that's what we'll be doing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow, my God, my God. And we'll be throwing up our hands and worshiping him. We will be worshiping him, smiling at one another, going, this is our father. This is our father, Jim. This is our father, Jason. He's Abba. Say Abba. Daddy, daddy. That's what it means. Abba means daddy, daddy, papa, papa. Now, that may make you feel a little weird, guys. It doesn't sound real macho, does it? But this is necessary. It doesn't sound real macho. But we need to begin to learn again to be childlike, to say, Daddy, 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 Daddy. And the moment that little boy cried out, Daddy, in a flash, Daddy was there. Somebody needs to be reminded of that tonight. Somebody needs to be reminded. You're never alone. God is not busy off making worlds somewhere in cosmos. He's here in the midst. Come on. So the Passion Translation takes me a while to get to that first scripture, eh? Okay, so John 14. He says in verse 12, he says, I, I'll tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do, even greater miracles than these because I go to be with my Father. For I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me in my name. And that is how the Son will show what the Father is really like and bring Him glory. Don't you love that? Ask me anything in my name and I'll do it for you. Loving me empowers you to obey my commands. <laughs> I'll read that again. You ready? Loving me empowers you to obey my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth. 
and he will be a friend to you just like me and he will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him and they can't know him. But you will know him intimately because he will make his home in you and will live inside of you. Wow. I promise that I will never leave you helpless. You hear this? I will never abandon you as orphans, and I will come back to you, and soon I will leave this world, and they will see me no longer, but you will see me because I will live again, and you will come alive too. (laughs) So when that day comes, you will know that I am living in the Father and that you are one with me, for I will be living in you. Those who truly love me, are those who obey my commands. Maybe you need to underline that or underscore that in your Bibles tonight. That love is proven by obedience. Now that's not legalism. That's Jesus' words. You're leaving me up here all alone. I said that's not legalism. That's Jesus' word. See, we got a real problem in our generation. We've got Christians that have mere preferences according to Scripture. We need to get to the place where we get over ourselves and just our mere convict, our, our mere preferences to Scriptures, and the, the actual words of Jesus have to become a deep, abiding conviction in our soul. It becomes the anchor of our life, the anchor of our soul, that we will not compromise it. Come on. Whoever passionately loves me will be passionately loved by my Father. Man, I love that. I will passionately love you in return and will manifest my life within you. He is in you. I want you to say this tonight. He is in me. He is in me. Write this down tonight. The new creation greatly transcends the old creation. The new creation, and this is what I'm declaring over you. So far, I've declared over you, you are a son and you are a daughter. Now I'm declaring to you the word of the Lord. You are a new creation. Say that tonight. I am a new creation. Our minds have to be renewed to this. I am a son. I am a daughter. This is where everything springs forth from. You've got to know your identity as a son of God. You're not an orphan. You're not a slave. Only to righteousness are you a slave. You are a son. You are a daughter. And you are a new creation. In 2 Corinthians 5, in verse 17, I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation again. How many of you are digging this Passion Translation? Oh, yes. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5.17, listen to this. This is awesome. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. Lord, break this bread for us tonight. Let us get this into our souls, into our pores, into our bloodstream, into our thoughts, into our divine anointed imagination that we are a new creation. All that has been related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything, everything is fresh and new. And God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself and has given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. 
Say this tonight. I am a new creation. I'm going to give you another one tonight. You need to write it down. I am a new man. Or you're a new whoa man. Whoa. I'm a new man. Write it down. I'm a new man. Now make it your confession. Say it tonight. I'm a new man. I'm a new woman. There you go, ladies. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 24. Ephesians 4 and 24. Listen to this. It says, put on the new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Let's do it again. Ready? Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Ready? The Passion Translation, verse 4, 24, excuse me. And to be transformed, you embrace the glorious Christ within and your new life and live in union with him. For God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness. (laughs) And you now belong to him in the realms of true holiness. Isn't that beautiful? My God, you are a new man. You are not a slave to who you used to be. The things things that you used to do before the cross is not who you are. The darkness we all yielded ourselves to, the corruption we gave ourselves to, the lust that we gave ourselves to, the waywardness that we used to give ourselves to, That is not who we are. We are a new creation. We have been recreated. We are a new man. You are a new woman in Christ. You are a true son and a daughter. Woo! You can shout in this church. Come on. You can shout in here. Go ahead and shout. (laughs) I heard that yee-haw. I don't know if that that guy's got boots on over there or something. Listen to this. This is Colossians chapter 3 and verse 10. I'm still in the Passion Translation if you're wondering. Colossians 3 verse 10. Put these in your notes tonight. Write them down. Get Get them in your soul. Get them in your mouth. Make it your confession. That's why I'm... I'm just sharing with you to make these declarations. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm a new creation of God. I'm a new man. I'm a new woman. You have to declare these things. Because when you are tempted or a snake comes through your life, you have to be able to turn and say, that is not who I am. And you are trespassing. And in the name of Jesus, go. I've been crucified with Christ, and nevertheless, I still live, yet not I, but it's Christ that now lives in me, and this life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen? That's what Paul said in Galatians 2.20. That was scripture. That was not poetry. Okay. Colossians 3.10, he said... For you have, 310, Passion Translation, 
For you have acquired new creation life, (laughs) which is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you, giving you the full revelation of God. Wow. Isn't that powerful? Powerful. I want you to write this down tonight. I'm not a slave. I'm not a slave. Write it down. Write it down somewhere. I'm going to read just just a small little portion out of this book I found in my library. It's called Bold as Lions. I connect with this guy. So I would encourage you to pick up the book tonight. I wrote a chapter called Champions. Champions, the rise and the roar of sons and daughters. The rise and the roar of sons and daughters. I want to give you this tonight just for a moment. I want you to listen to this good. I want to compare two things. I want to compare sons and daughters and a kingdom perspective versus slaves and orphans. Did you get that? Sons and daughters versus slaves and orphans. Y'all tracking with me? Y'all all right? Here's sons and daughters. Listen to this really good. You ready? This is sons and daughters. Sons and daughters believe and experience the unconditional love of their father. Sons and daughters experience sonship as an heir based on their position to the father. Sons and daughters rest in the security of their father's provision. Sons and daughters are still loved even when they fall short. That's that's good. Sons and daughters are stewards of what the Father entrusts to them. Sons and daughters love their dad's character. Sons and daughters, their values are totally based upon their position as a son and daughter. Sons and daughters experience love. They receive gracefully. They recognize sins and they have a repentant heart. Sons and daughters live from the heart. They believe that they're loved. Sons and daughters believe that they're loved. Sons and daughters live a godly kingdom lifestyle defined by grace and redemption. Sons and daughters live under God's authority. Amen? Isn't that good? Now listen to orphans and slaves. Orphans and slaves. They believe that they must perform to gain the Father's love. They believe becoming an heir is tied to performance, not their position as children. They believe provision is only through through their performance. They believe they deserve judgment when they fail. They believe they're entitled to uh, a share in anything that they do. They resent their dad's character. Orphans and slaves... Their value is only based on what they do and how well they do it. They believe that love is earned. They expect entitlement. Slaves and orphans, listen to this. They're self-righteous and prideful. Slaves and orphans live from legalism. 
They believe that they are defective, which produces shame. Slaves and orphans have a worldly kingdom perspective defined by performance and posturing. And in the end, they reject God's authority. Wow. (laughs) That's in chapter 7 called Champions. You are not a slave to sin any longer. That's the good news. I'm preaching the gospel to you. This is all good news. Folks, this is good news. You and I are no longer slaves to sin. You are not chained to sin and condemnation and debauchery and filth. You have been unchained. You have been delivered out of the kingdom of darkness into the glorious kingdom of light. Romans chapter 6. I'm still in the Passion Translation. You got a few more minutes in you? I know you do. We're slaves to righteousness. You want to write this down. You're slaves to righteousness. This is verse 16. I'm going to start reading. Romans 6, verse 16. The Passion Translation. You there? Don't you realize that grace frees you to choose your own master? Come on. Grace frees you to choose your own master. But choose carefully. <laughs> I can see that Indiana Jones movie in front of me right now. It was uh, when they were looking for the grail, and he chose poorly. He chose wisely. Okay, back to the Scriptures. Break the bread, Lord. Help Brian. Help me. But choose carefully or wisely, for you surrender yourself to become a servant bound to the one you choose to obey. Wow. Do you see that? The one that you choose to obey, that's who you become the slave to. If you choose to love sin, well, it becomes your master, and it will own you and reward you with death. But if you choose to love and obey God, he will lead you into perfect righteousness. And God is pleased with you. For in the past, you were servants to sin. But now your obedience is heart deep. And your life is being molded by the truth through the teaching that you are devoted to. And now you celebrate your freedom from your former master, which is sin. You have left bondage, and now God's perfect righteousness holds power over you as his loving servant. A few more verses. Let's go. Verse 19. I've used familiar terms as servant and master to compensate for your weaknesses to understand. For just as you surrendered your bodies and souls to impurity and lawlessness, which only brought more lawlessness into your life, so now surrender yourselves as servants of righteousness, which brings you deeper into holiness. For when you were bound as servants to sins, you lived your lives free from any obligation to righteousness. Isn't that true? When we were living for sin, we didn't have any obligation to be righteous. We were running wild. So tell me, verse 21, so tell me, what is the benefit ensued from doing those things that you're now ashamed of? 
It left you with nothing but a legacy of shame and death. But now, say but now. As God's loving servants, you live in joyous freedom from the power of sin. So consider the benefits you now enjoy. You are brought deeper into the experience of true holiness that ends with eternal life. For sin's wages, for their meager wages is death, but God's lavish gift is life eternal. Found in union with our Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. This is powerful stuff, folks. This is powerful stuff. When we remember that we're sons and daughters, when we remember we are a new creation, sin will not have dominion over you. Come on. Sin cannot have dominion over us when we know that we are sons and daughters and a new creation and heirs of God in Christ. When we lose sight of our identity, we are prone to act like an orphan and a slave. When we lose sight of our identity, that's why it's so important daily to keep heart checks with God daily. Keeping short accounts with the Holy Spirit daily. Being with God daily so that we are resting upon His heart. The Bible tells us that the Apostle John, he was the lover of Jesus. That's what it called him. And it says that John, he loved Jesus so close at times, he would get up while he's, Jesus is talking to the apostles. And I don't know how it all happened. Maybe they were sitting around a campfire at night. But John had a way of just getting up close enough to Jesus. It says that he would lay his head down on his chest. John the Beloved is what he's called. John the Beloved. He found a way to get so close to the Lord so he could lay his head on his chest. Is that, is that messing with you, macho guys? Is that messing with your macho-ness? You know, when I watched that father scoop up that boy in his arms, that boy's face was buried in his dad's chest. Come on! Woo! That boy's face was buried in his dad's chest. And every once in a while, he'd peek out and look at that snake. He was mad. <laughs> his dad was mad. I was mad. <laughs> I want to give you another word tonight, who we are. We're sons and daughters. Come on, say it out loud. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm a new creation. I'm an ambassador. Say it. I'm an ambassador. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. We can't get away from this tonight. I'm still in the Passion Translation up in this piece, up in this house. Yo, yo, yo. Break the bread, Lord. You ready? 2 Corinthians 5, 20. I'll read it out of the New King James Version. A lot of you have New King James sitting in your lap. Let's read that. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, and though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled unto God. Now I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. We are ambassadors of the anointed one. 
who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God was tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf, turn back to God and be reconciled with him. You are an ambassador. Now listen to this. You are an ambassador. Listen, when the, when the Corinthian church received this letter from Paul, their minds had to go on tilt. They're reading along this letter from, from the apostle Paul, and they read these words, we are Christ ambassadors. Now, why was this so mind-boggling? See, we just, we kind of just, we read stuff and then we don't, we don't think much about it. An ambassador in biblical age and biblical time, and even to this day, it was the highest honor. It was the highest honor to be given the assignment of an ambassador. You know why? Because an ambassador was the best friend of the king. The ambassador was the best king to the emperor. He was best friends and he would sit and have time well spent in dialogue listening to the king and scribing and writing the desires of the king so that when he was commissioned and that he was sent out, he would know exactly what the heart and the intention and the dream of the king was on what to do in that culture. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? So they were on tilt. Now, you got you to think about this. When an ambassador is sent out in biblical times, they, they didn't have Twitter. Okay? Tweet, tweet. They didn't have Twitter. Are you with me? Tweet-a-dee, tweet-a-dee. They didn't have Twitter. They didn't have Facebook. I mean, I mean, my gosh, we, we know what our president's thinking. 3.30 in the morning, and he, he's in the Oval Office, and we know what he's thinking, right? Just bam. Now, listen, in, in biblical times, there was no special bat phones. Remember the bat phone? They, they could just run in, and, 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 and the library would open up, and the red phone, and, and Batman would pick it up, and, hello, C- Commissioner Gordon, this is Batman. There was no specialty phones. That now, uh, the president can pick up a phone line, and on the other end of it is Putin. On the other end of that phone is Benjamin Netanyahu. You following me? So there was no such thing. When an ambassador was commissioned, it would sometimes take weeks and months to get into another nation. He wasn't carrying a cell phone, but he was carrying the scrolls and the desires that were scribed and written, who he was commissioned from, that king, as an ambassador to go into that new culture. And say, this is the desire and the will of the king. Now, I want to give you something that may mess with you. Is it okay to mess with you a little bit tonight? That's good. Six of you. I'm going on that favor. An ambassador, when an ambassador, an ambassador was commissioned in biblical times, they could not serve any more than two to three years in that nation that they were sent to until they would be recalled back to the king. Now, this is very important. Why is this important? Because the king and the leadership understood that if an ambassador stays in that culture too long, 
he will become sympathetic to the culture that he was sent there to train and disciple. And right now, we are in a dilemma. We are in a dilemma of ambassadors of Christ being sent into the culture of the world and somehow we are getting so far away from the very heart and the intentions of the Lord and even His very Word that we are becoming so sympathetic to a culture and we are allowing ourselves to be watered down We are allowing ourselves. We were once people who were called out from the world. Touch not the unclean thing. And I will be a father unto you. And you will be my sons and daughters. Therefore, beloved, having these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That's 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 7, verse 1. Are you getting what I'm saying? See, the church is being lullabied into a false sympathy. That's amazing. When I really start preaching, y'all get quiet. Do you understand? You tracking with me? Y'all okay? We move into a false sympathy. Jesus said these words. I know this is strong because Jesus' message is strong. Jesus' message messes with me. Jesus' message needs to mess with you. You need to adapt your life to the message of Jesus. You don't need to adapt your life to some denomination or church fluff. You need to adapt your life to what Jesus said. You and I are ambassadors. And we have to know the heart of our King. Folks, here's the good news. The only way we're going to know the heart of God is by quality time spent with Him and by making this word the final authority of our lives. I'm going to go back and say this again. I'm going to go back and say this again. I think this is very important. We are in a time where many Christians just have mere preferences to the word rather than deep abiding conviction to what God has said. When you talk like this, you're going to be called a bigot. When you you talk like this, you're going to be called arrogant and prideful. The only reason I have confidence is not because of Brian, is because Christ is in me. It's because Christ is in me, and I've conformed my life to His Word. His Word has to become the final authority in our lives if we're going to be true ambassadors. And if we're going to continually be ambassadors that are faithful, where do we have to be? We have to be best friends with the King. we got to be best friends, Matt, with the King we got to be best friends with Daddy, Daddy, Papa, Papa, Abba, Father. we got to be best friends. The way that you can be fearless in this hour, because it's going to take a bride that is going to move in power and fearlessness.
the way we can get fearless, the way that we can break free from those chains of fear, and especially the fear of man, to be a true ambassador is by having quality time with our Abba. You know what? I'm going to close with this thought tonight. Look this way, everybody, for just a moment. Could you imagine? Can you imagine if Jesus would have been insecure about his personal identity? Can you imagine? Jim, try this one on for size. Can you imagine if Jesus would have went to the scribes and Pharisees to look for affirmation for his identity? These, these kind of thoughts went through, it was about 11.30 one night, me and Bren were sipping on some coffee, and we started going into this conversation about identity. And this is a strong conversation. Could you imagine the confusion and the utter hopelessness that Jesus would have been walking in if he would have went looking to them for his identity? You know what? When he came up out of that water, his father said, Ha-ha, you are my beloved son and I am well pleased with you I want to say over you tonight you are God's son you are God's daughter and he is well pleased with you I was trying to help a new friend this week on the phone. He's just asked Christ into his life. He's become just a brand new friend. And he had done something in that entire day. He, he was just struggling. And he called me. And he said, I feel like God is so mad at me. He just asked Christ into his life days before. I said, let me tell you something. You're in a process. You're learning how to come to God as a son. Come to God as a son. And receive His grace and His mercy by saying, Daddy, I'm sorry. I blew that. Help me to not do that again. You understand? We're talking about a father-son, father-daughter relationship. you got to keep short accounts with Daddy God. This is good tonight, hey? Come on, this is good tonight. What a night. Cody, why don't you jump on that keyboard? Jump on that keyboard. Don't hurt yourself jumping on it. Let's do this together tonight. And I mean this. This is not just for crowd participation. This isn't Brian using pom-poms and high-kicking. I want you to say it and mean it. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm a new creation. I'm an ambassador. Say that tonight. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm a new creation. I'm a new man. I'm a new man. I'm an ambassador. I'm an ambassador. Come on, Orlando. Glory to God. Glory to God. Why don't we stand? Why don't we put our smartphones aside tonight? <laughs>
Father, you have raised us up in heavenly places. You've not left us dead in our own trespasses and sins in our past life. You have raised us up together to be seated with you in heavenly places. Thank you, Father. Jesus, thank you for going to the whipping post. Thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for freely giving your life to die for us. Father, thank you that you raised your son from the dead. And that in him we were crucified and we were buried with Jesus. And when you raised him up, you raised us up. And when Jesus ascended, we too ascended and was seated with God in heavenly places. Tonight I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, re I remind you tonight of the beautiful identity that we have. You are a son and a daughter of God. So conduct yourself wisely. Walk worthy of the Lord. Walk holy before the Lord. Walk worthy of your heavenly calling. If you just stretch your hands out in front of you tonight. Tonight, this church is 10 months old. Tonight, this church is 10 months old. And there is a heavenly commission that is happening in this family of ambassadors. God's going to use us to transform this region. It's your destiny. You were born for revival. You were born for revival. You were born for an awakening. You were born for a move of God beyond anything you've ever dreamed possible. You're important in the kingdom. You're so important. Your purpose, your life, your voice, your passion, your compassion, your mercy gift, your gifts of help, your prophetic gift, your gift of singing, your gift of hospitality. Whatever those gifts are, Lord, light them on fire. Whatever those gifts are in all of my friends, light those gifts on fire. Light those gifts on fire. Hallelujah. So I commission you tonight as the Lord's ambassadors, to go to Sarasota, go to Bradenton, go to Venice, shoot, go to Port Charlotte, <laughs> go to Tampa, go, go, and be an ambassador. Let the Lord speak through you. Be courageous. Be wise. Be wise. Conduct yourself as a son. Conduct yourself as a daughter. 
recognize that when you walk out of your house every time this week, you're not just representing your wife and your kids. You're not just representing your family everywhere you go. But you are representing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You are an ambassador to reconcile the world to Christ. So I pray for that soul-winning spirit. That soul-winning spirit. That soul-winning anointing. I pray that there would be such a, just a, a magnetism about your personality. It would be electric this week. People be drawn to you in Walmart. I almost said Starbucks. My wife would have hit me. Wherever you go, wherever you go, whatever business you walk into, whatever scenario, situation, you may, you may pull off, you may pull off, I don't know if I'm prophesying, you may pull off and help somebody with a flat. And suddenly, all of a sudden, while you're standing there helping, sweating, God's going to give you the words of life. And I pray it's not me getting the flat. I pray it's not you prophesying to me in Jesus' name. <laughs> Lord, break the bread. Lord, break the bread. <laughs> I bless you as God's ambassadors. Put your hands real high tonight. Just say, I choose joy. Yeah, I choose joy. I choose the goodness of God. God, you are faithful. You are faithful. And I love you with all my heart. I love you with all my heart, Father. Come on, just blow a kiss to heaven tonight. Would you do that? Just blow a kiss to heaven. Come on, let's lift up a big victory shout. Come on. Let's lift up a big victory shout to the Lord. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com.